Hello! And welcome to episode 10. Yay! Woo! Episode 10. Wow! That's crazy. Isn't it? It's funny because when I started this project, I had like, I think a dozen things planned out. And I was like, oh, this is only going to be like a dozen episodes. And then... Um, it just and blew then it, up. It just kind of blew up. And I have a lot of... A lot of people lined up to interview that I'm super excited about, but we decided um, for episode 10 that we would do a check-in and kind of re-explain what's going on with the killer whales because I don't know um, that we've done a good job of that. So we're just going to like baseline what's going on and then also talk about our goals and kind of where this is going. Um, but yeah, I feel like we've gotten... We've gotten our footing, and the, the first couple episodes I wasn't super confident in because I used a lot of filler words and everything, but one of the things I'm trying to do with this is show people that you can um, grow and learn and that you have to start somewhere. So you guys could listen to that and, and see the improvements, but also you can see all the improvements that have happened since Ellie joined. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and peaches. And peaches. Um, yeah, so we're, yeah, it's, it's sweet. And then we just took on, um, like... Kind of a third person. Yeah. Um, Anna's going to be, Anna Meyer's going to be jumping on with us uh, for a couple episodes. Yeah. She's also so, going to be helping us with yeah. some graphic design stuff. Oh, yes. We're we're in the process of rebranding or branding because we don't really have a brand. Is brand the right word? I don't know. I think that's the right word. We're just making consistencies. But that being said, we're going to have t-shirts. Yeet. Super excited about Super that. Super excited. Um... And yeah, we're on. Um, yeah, we're gonna have those. And yeah, <laughs> at some point in time. At some point in time. Um, so if you know, yeah, if you want to buy a t-shirt, if you like to wear clothes, hit us up. There you go. If you like to wear clothes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that being said, we um, definitely are open to having more people on our team. We kind of would like to have a techie person. Yeah, we definitely so, need a tech person. Um, if you are interested in this and you're a techie person and you're passionate about learning and animals and whatnot, um, hit us up. You don't have to be from, from the same state. You can be from far away because... We're about to be in different states anyway. I know. So don't oh my remind goodness. me. I'll cry. I can't. Oh, I cannot. I can't. I'm deal. literally going to die without you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I've survived to this point in my life. You're literally the only extrovert left in our friend group on the island. I'm struggling. We're all going to like... We already talked about this, but we're all going to be, like, sitting in our houses like, oh, I wish we could hang out, but nobody's going to prompt us to hang out, so we're all just going to stay in our houses and not hang out. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And also, just an update, Peach is sitting on my parka once again. Again. Um, Again, yeah. So, this is good. Awesome. So, I think we'll start with just what's going on with the whales, like a brief history of them. Um, yeah, just to reiterate. Yeah, just like reiterate, just because I feel like it's it's sprinkled throughout, but there's not like anything holistically that's like. Yeah, like here's yeah. the story here's of the Southern Residence. Here's the story residents. of the Southern Residence. Um, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? I mean, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with like like a natural history? Do you want to start like like when they started declining? Like... Let's do a natural history first. Okay, so they're yeah. the smallest of, I think, at the four, I think it says there's four resident communities um, in the northeastern portion of the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, it is actually the only killer whale population that's listed under the Endangered Species Act as well. Oh, yeah. There are only 
73 individuals left. We had 76 at the beginning of the year. Um, and then uh, Princess Angeline, who is the matriarch of J-Pod, passed away as well as um, a member of K-Pod and a member of L-Pod, Nissa and Skoder. And I think Skoder was K-Pod and uh, Nissa was L-Pod. And they, those were both males. Um, and the males aren't as important to the structure of pods, um, but when females die, especially reproductive females, mm -hmm. um, which Princess Angeline still kind of was, that's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a huge lack of reproductive females in this population, which is a big concern. Oh, well, didn't we, when we were talking to Frances, mm -hmm. she had said that um, the babies that were being born had been surviving more, didn't she? No? Um, well, so she was far, saying there was, like, more being born. There was a baby boom. Okay. A little bit of one. Okay. But then the majority of those mm -hmm. babies have died. I think we haven't had... Nova's the only one who's still left. He's mm -hmm. five years old. We haven't had a baby in the last decade or so live past five years of age. Jeez. I... Wow. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, that's kind of that's kind of an issue. So that's why we're all really watching uh, Tofino and uh, Whistle, the new babies yeah. that were born this year or this last winter. Huh. Um, just see see what their health is and Nova as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, these guys are. If we haven't, if, just to reiterate, these guys resident communities of killer whales, primarily feed on salmon. Uh, our killer whales here, our southern residents, 80% of their diet is Chinook salmon. They also prey on chum, um, and then about 3% of their hab uh, their habitat, their food, mm -hmm. is rockfish and halibut. Mm -hmm. So they're very, very, very specialized. Very specialized, yeah. Um, which is why, and coincidentally, or not, mm -hmm. uh, Chinook salmon is also on the endangered species yes. list. Yes. So we have definitely seen, as the Chinook salmon have declined, the southern residents have also declined. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that's interesting is, you know, when I was in school and learning about the Endangered Species Act and all these different things, it sounds like it's a lot of heavy protection. And to some degree, it can be. And it depends on who's managing it. But, yeah. you know, what we've seen with the Chinook salmon, salmon is really disappointing. Um, and we talked a little bit with Josh Murphy about this, but essentially... People are just trying the same methods, which is getting overly involved in creating fisheries, which, you know, contribute to a lot of genetic and behavioral changes throughout the community that are detrimental to that population. Um, and there's there's not a whole lot of effort going into the salmon. And, no. you know, I think a lot of that has to do with how charismatic the animal is or how much people connect to it. More people care about orcas than salmon, oddly enough, even yeah. though more people, I think, rely on salmon than they do orcas. Oh, absolutely. Um, but we just kind of want to bring to light, too, that even though these laws are in place, it doesn't necessarily mean that the right action is happening. And that's why, like, we need the, to start conversations and why you need to, like, call your politicians and whatnot because, you know, or why we need to just, like, evaluate what we're doing and Absolutely. assess is it right or not. And we did an interview with Francis Robertson and... Um, has some technical difficulties, so that we'll we'll see if that's if that episode is going to come out because <laughs> it got deleted. Um, but she had a lot to say about that too. But like she she was saying that over there, she's a she was one of 
what would her title be? She works for the Marine Resources in San Juan County, and she was talking about how, it, like, over there, they use adaptive practices, which is what the rest of of everyone else needs to be doing, too. Absolutely. Like, if something doesn't work, change it and move forward. Yeah. Anyways. I was super impressed with that. And yeah. I, in the interview, I told I her was, that. too, yeah. Which um, you guys won't hear, because... Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and I, I, I definitely think... The science is there, and it's that's one. Of, that's another thing we're going to talk about in this episode is just like how scientists communicate their data and their findings. Mm-hmm. But you know, we've just been so politically and socially bogged down in this idea of hatcheries and just throwing eggs into the river, throwing mm-hmm. salmon babies into the river, and hoping that they they do well. But it's it really isn't good for the no. the salmon, and it's not good for the ecosystem. And in fact, um, we watched Artificial, and one of the biggest things for me um, was seeing how Montana actually approached, I, I don't remember if it was the Madison River, I don't remember which river Some it was, um, but basically they did a study on area, um, on this river, and had a control, and then had an no. area where they didn't deposit fish, and then mm-hmm. had an area where they did deposit fish, and the mm-hmm. area where they did not deposit fish mm-hmm. did amazingly better yeah. than the area where they were putting in fish from hatcheries. Absolutely. Um, and that's something that we can repeat and, you know, get also, more data on. Yeah, go watch Artificial. That's a good plug it's for this such right a now. Good, yeah. It's such a good Definitely movie. go watch it. It's on um, YouTube now, so and it's free, which is great. If you have the internet, you should watch it. But yeah, no, like, we need to, we, we should repeat similar studies to what you're talking about in Montana and figure that out here. I think a lot of times, there's a lot of laws that are put in place based on studies that that have gone wrong in the past. Yeah. Um, however, you know, I think that if we make tweaks and we do different things, like we, we have to learn from our mistakes, but I think completely throwing something off the table is not the answer. No. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of our decisions in policy and management are fear-based and completely understandable with the Southern residents, given that there are only 73 left. Um, however, we have to try things. Like, and no. there's not, like, you know, I think... Like, one of our goals in this is to address root cultural issues, and I think we all have an issue with being wrong and making yeah. mistakes, and that's it's literally fine. It's part of learning, and if we don't learn and we don't adapt, we're not going to survive. Absolutely. But anyways, back to what you were saying with the fish. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just, I think, and we're it's so ingrained in our society that the hatcheries and even even in our state funding mm-hmm. I mean there's so much allocated there's so many jobs in hatcheries there's just mm-hmm. so much invested in mm-hmm. hatcheries that it, it's gonna be a huge loss if mm-hmm. we get rid of them it, to some degree what do you um, mean? but like well I mean people are gonna be out of jobs mm-hmm. I mean there's gonna be like okay. this social change of course again so so let's reference back to the interview that we had with Adam Demansky when mm-hmm. he was he literally, like, basically what his study found is that if we take down the dams, there's essentially $8 billion, that's a rough estimate, um, that could be caught, and then, yeah. like, we could benefit from that, so that's, like, net benefit, I'm probably using the wrong words, but 
essentially in order to make this worth it politically, economically, whatever, we it needs to. to be at two billion or or like two point six billion or something. So it's over quadruple the amount. And so basically, even if they made mistakes. It's yeah. still worth it. So I, I get that you're saying, you know, there's a loss with the jobs. We just have to figure out no, what would totally make it worth I mean. it. Yeah. That's totally what I'm getting at, ultimately. Um, yeah. I, mean, there yeah. are, I mean, there are other things, too, that, I mean, and it's that thing that I said. We were hanging out the other day, and, like, uh-huh. and Erica told me to write it down and save it for the episode, but, you know, I don't believe in good versus evil. Yeah. I believe in love and fear. And, you yeah. know... We, we're scared that the Southern residents are dying. We're scared that, you know, the salmon are going to go away. We're scared of losing all these things, our jobs, our money, our livelihoods, our, our way of being. But we got to look at the things that we love. We love our communities. We love the orcas. We love the mm-hmm. salmon. Like, what are we willing to do in order to preserve these things? Right. And what are we willing to do in order to help each other? But also... You know, without the salmon there, there's so many other things that are going to deteriorate. And we're going to do an episode where we talk about reasons why we need the environment, because I think so many people don't realize, like, you know, we need bees to pollinate and things like that. Just little stuff. Um, Well, things that you think that are little... Stop crying and what is on your face? Okay, Peach is interrupting as as per usual. Um, Yes. So basically, we're going to do an episode where we talk about why we need the environment. And here's the thing is, you know, when you talk about saving the things that you love, there are some people that don't love orcas and they don't love salmon and they don't care. And that's that's fine. But if you love your community and you love other people, you ultimately do need to save these species because there's so many people that will be impacted. And there was even a study that showed... um, the economic benefits of southern resident killer whales um, and the impact that that has throughout the San Juan Islands and throughout Seattle. And they're talking about, you know, a lot of people come here just to see those animals. And that's how I ended up moving out here. I came out here to see the whales and I fell in love with it and then, you know, moved out here to work with them. But there's so many, like, I specifically came to Washington for the whales. Like, there was... There was no other purpose for that trip. And there's a lot of other people that are out there like that. And, you know, that trickles into the economy. Yeah, and, it does. You know, it ends up, you know, you, you go to restaurants, you go to stores, you go to hotels, whatever. And, you know, that trickles and then into the surrounding area as well. So, you know, I like it's not all economic, but I think that that's the language that we have to speak because I that seems to be the only way we can get our politicians to respond. Absolutely. Well, and like... My thing is, if we're willing to let a species die Mm -hmm. because we don't care, that's complacency. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, complacency Mm -hmm. is the most unforgivable weakness you can have. If you can look at something bad happening Mm -hmm. and say, I don't care. True. That's unforgivable to me. And that is, it draws back to one of those root cultural issues. How many things out there are going wrong and people don't care? Like, like in their backyard, like, you know, I grew up in Ohio and it's a, the area I grew up in was pretty conservative, but like I actively saw like racism and like police brutality and other things and uh, nothing was necessarily done about that people well people saw it like other people specifically white people um Mm -hmm. saw that and did nothing and and just and they're like no and you know i that's one of the worst things you know complacency like you're saying but denying a problem doesn't make it go away and for some reason we have this idea that if we just ignore it it goes away but like 
that's literally the definition of privilege. Like, if it doesn't affect you personally and you say that it doesn't exist, like, no. Like, I mean, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And we're doing that with the animals. We're doing that with so many different communities in the United States, and it's wrong. Absolutely. So we're here to call it out because guess what? We're millennials. (laughs) We like to put it all on the table. But also, there's this, like... This idea of not being able to have difficult conversations because they're uncomfortable. Well, you know what else is uncomfortable? Like, entire species dying or, like, an entire systematic oppressional situation where, you know, governments take advantage of the working class or of different marginalized groups. That's not cute. Like, we we need to sit here and have an uncomfortable discussion because... You know what, just because you aren't affected, maybe it's uncomfortable for you to have that discussion for five minutes or an hour or however long, but, like, try to put yourself in the shoes of those that are affected. Yeah, you bring up a good point, and I actually was reading today about a little bit about the ORCA task force, and the three primary things they were looking at in regards to helping to save the species from extinction was supposedly their prey, Mm -hmm. noise pollution, Mm -hmm. and pollutants. Mm -hmm. They, policy-wise, took care of so much of the noise pollution Mm -hmm. and the toxicants in the water. Yeah. They, because of that, because it's going to be such a difficult conversation, Mm -hmm. almost nothing has been done about the prey issue. They put a lot of, they put a lot of money into hatcheries, but we know that doesn't work. Mm Mm-hmm. They refuse to have conversations about the Snake River Dam. They want to do a study or a panel or whatever it's going to be. In 2021, right? Something like that. We don't have time. We don't. We don't have time. Or, this you know what, maybe we, maybe we do have time. Maybe if they want to wait till 2021, we just need to get our own little group of people together and go conduct whatever study there is because there's plenty of people in Washington that are passionate enough. And the last episode, I you know, I talked with Bianca and we talked about how it has really brought Washington together as a community. And I guarantee you that people would be willing to step up and go conduct surveys and figure out whatever it is that they need to figure out. Like, honestly, there's this idea, you know, people, gosh, so many, I feel like we should just talk about what our goals are because that's, Mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about the history. But, you know, there's this idea that science is really hard and difficult and, and it is, but like, it's really not like if you're trained and you can go conduct a survey and you know how to ask questions in a way that's not leading or you're not trying to, you know, get bias, you can do that. So I feel like, you know, yeah. we would meet resistance with people being like, oh, you can't just send randos out to like conduct studies. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if people are willing to do the training, you can. Um, well, many people have brought up this point. I mean, those dams have been studied to death. They're literally going to be studied to death. Those killer whales are dying. Yeah. Because we insist on continuing, well, we need to study it more. Well, we need to study it more. We need to do something about it. We need to turn it into action. Yeah. And and there is some action that has gone on with the dams. And, um, you know, what they have there basically is they have... Um, the fish gates for the salmon to swim through, which is not at all the same. There's not nearly the amount of space, not nearly the amount of fish get through. And then their answer to combating that is literally there's a slide. Like, literally, it's like a swirly slide that the fish go down and they get shot out into a barge system, like one of those, like, big container ships. And then it goes down the dam and they take, they literally transport the fish down and release them. 
Um, Which is, I have to imagine that's stressful for the fish. It has to be stressful for the fish, but that's also not natural. And here's the thing is, you know, if you change their behavior that much, like, how is the species going to survive? Their success is going to be, is, is going to see detriment. Yeah. And we've made mistakes, and we just need to admit that we made a mistake and then move forward. I agree. We need to adapt. Because it's it's fine. That's That's the whole point of learning, and literally, like... That's how all other animals survive, and we're the ones that can't seem to do it. Um, but yeah, I guess we could take this time to talk about goals, because that's yes. what this has turned into. Um, but basically, we we see a lot of the same things done, I feel like, in an effort to save these whales. We are not the first people that want to save the whales. We're not the last no. people that are going to want to save the whales. And um, so we wanted to approach it differently, and there... It, you know, there are some podcasts out there, but we want to have those difficult conversations with people. Um, but we also just want to gain as many perspectives as possible. Obviously, we do think the dam should go down based on the evidence that we currently have. Um, however, like we said, we're willing to admit if if there are mistakes and if, if we decide somewhere along the road that we feel differently, then we'll say that. But as of now, that's what it looks like. Yeah. And our opinions are malleable and yours should be too. You know, it's that's that's why we get into this mess is because people get so stuck in what they believe. Um, yeah. But basically, we just want to challenge people to um, challenge their own belief systems and their governments and their communities and think differently because I think a lot of, you know, our problems have manifested environmentally but are culturally rooted and we need to evaluate that and assess that and, you know, um, a lot of themes that we've seen come up is, you know, there's a there's a total inaccessibility to environmental education but also there is an attitude in the environmental science field of like, well, probably other science fields too, like that, you know, you're... It's, it's very exclusive um, because, yeah. one, it takes a lot of financial privilege to get in because you have to usually have a master's degree if you want to be a scientist, at least. Um, but as we all know, a four-year college degree at this time is not doable if you don't have financial support from somewhere or copious amount of student debt, which we both have. Um, and a lot of internships require you to work unpaid or to pay for them and, you know... That's wrong as yeah. well. And, you know, there's a lot of funding for business and finance and all these other majors. That was something that that I've noticed. Oh, um, but not so much for environmental studies. And there's, you know, there's so much funding for, you know, engineering and medical fields and things like that. Because ultimately, I think our, our government benefits from that. Yeah. Um, and, and they're not necessarily going to see immediate benefits um, from... Um, Environmental. Well, they don't think they will. Um, <laughs> they would if if they wanted to put that money forward, but they don't. Um, and yeah. also, you know, I I want to challenge those of us that are in the environmental science field to take a look around, um, because there is an attitude of, oh, like you know, I'm a scientist. I'm better than people. I'm elite. And you absolutely did work hard to get where you are and like to get your degree or nobody's arguing that whatever you had to do. No one is, no one's challenging that. But what I challenge you to look at is how you got there and what types of people are around you. Do you see people from different socioeconomic backgrounds? Do you see people of color? Because I don't No. Um, you know, I, I grew up, um, having nothing and like, you know, my family, my, wasn't able to help support me through college. And I don't share this to, 
get pity or anything like that, but no. only just to articulate the difficulties that um, a lot of other people experience. But, you know, I there were internships that I wanted to do that I had to work two jobs in college to be able to do an internship. I took a bus two hours um, from where I was living to where I was interning because it, I was yeah. so determined to do it. But I literally, like, I had to put, I think in college I slept like five hours a night. I worked two or three jobs every semester in college and, you know, still managed to pull off all these internships and things like that. And that's completely unreasonable. Like, yeah. you know, and that's not the standard. And I think we have this idea in our culture that only, you know, only the poor people that are willing to hustle like that are are worthy of yeah. those things and that like other poor people are not and that's that's false and that needs to change um because think about all the people that you're missing and all the ideas and uh different perspectives different approaches um and you know different contributors that you're missing out on because that we're not seeing people of of uh like of socioeconomic backgrounds but also you know and I I can't speak to this as much because I am a white person but I have have noticed that like if you look at the stats there's really not that many of people of color in this field no. and that's wrong and when I was I was working in Tucson Arizona and I want to say I'll have to come back and correct my statistic but I think it's like 40 percent of the population in Tucson is Hispanic and when I was working um for the park service I think there were like three Hispanic people that I worked with and the rest of, of it was predominantly white. So it was completely disproportional. So yeah. we need to figure out, I don't know how to, how to combat that issue. And I think that we should talk to some, some native people and some people of color, um, to figure out how, how we get them in the field as well. Absolutely. Um, because it's not fair. This is, this is a field dominated by rich white people and that's not okay. Um, there's yeah. a lot of other people that have a lot to offer and also there's, you know, this idea too, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you can't get into science. Ellie and I have both been told by people that we couldn't get into science. I had my college mentor tell me that, um, that there was a graduate program I wanted to apply to and she was like, well, I don't know if you'll be able to do that because you don't have the right grades. And I, I think I had like a 3.3 at the time. Yeah. And that was literally the best I could do with having to work so much yeah I was like so I have to get all these internships I have to work and then you want me to basically have a 4.0 yeah. like that's not that's, that's not, not manageable um no. so please check yourself before you go and tell somebody they can't go into this field ask yourself how you got where you got um yeah and have a little empathy and a little mm -hmm. compassion but you know I don't see why we, we feel the need to exclude people from this because I only think the world would benefit from more environmental scientists or more environmental advocates or whoever. I agree. I do, I do want to touch back on your, you talking about how you know, this is a very male-dominated Science, I, well, science, I didn't even say that, but science, there you go. Science, go. science in general is very male-dominated. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I was a guest writer for the industrial worker for a yeah. little bit. Um, and I wrote an article about how in science, you know, all the all the really male dominated mm -hmm. sciences like engineering, mm -hmm. uh, software engineering specifically, mm -hmm. um, physics, mm -hmm. um, what are some other ones? Geology, like really hard mm. math oriented. Yes, sciences are extremely male dominated. Mm -hmm. But you, when you even get down to like 
you know, it's like 60 or 70% male and then the rest are female, mm-hmm. like psychology and biology, mm-hmm. they're starting, there's this attitude where they're considered soft sciences. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, the funding also starts dropping. True. So yeah. I have, I have researched that a little bit. Um, and also there, I'll have to look up what the, the terminology is, but there is this concept in psychology that you know, you, you kind of have inherent bias sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while people may not overtly be like, oh, we're going to cut that funding because it's it's a female-dominated field, you know, they may see it in their own brains, may have this unconscious idea that it's less valuable and then therefore don't provide yeah. as much funding. So go ahead and check your, your inherent bias. Yeah. I, Let's promote self-awareness. <clears throat> Hello. Yes. I would also like to touch on that whole, like, 3.3 GPA. Yeah. There are a lot of people, myself included, mm-hmm. who have mental illnesses. I have ADHD, yes, learning queen. disabilities. Mm-hmm. You have dyslexia. And ADHD, yes. And ADHD. Which, we, which that was showing in the last four episodes. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but, you know, a perfect GPA means nothing. A perfect, a perfect GRE score, a perfect SAT score, anything numerically valued uh-huh. means absolutely nothing. Yeah. And there are so many studies that back that up. Literally. Also, um, I do want to point out, and ironically, my microphone is sitting on my cognitive psychology book, um, but in, in psychology, when we talk about the process of learning, um, the way that people learn best is by failing. Literally, it's a part of your memory. They've done a, a variety of different studies where they've looked at people who, if you like, take a test first... And then you you fail as opposed to just like studying and then taking the test. Yeah. You learn more by failing, which, hi, hello, like that's what we need to be doing in policy and management yeah. as well. But that just goes to show, hey, you know, like just because that you you didn't do so well with grades doesn't mean that, you know, you, you didn't learn something. Because I guarantee you, you walked away and you learned something. You probably learned something more from the test you failed than the test that you got an A on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Our, our entire system is designed to set people up to fail, especially yes. people like us, people who are female, who are people of color, people who yeah. have learning disabilities. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredibly It's so inaccessible. People from the lower socioeconomic. So my mom, she was like a semester away from getting her teaching degree. She didn't mm-hmm. because she had four kids to raise. Um, but she did a practicum. And that's another one. People with children, it's not accessible yeah. to them either. Well, she, she did a practicum at this lower socioeconomic mm-hmm. like elementary school. Mm-hmm. And they give you these tests. Mm-hmm. to kind of gauge where you are mm-hmm. where in learning. So they give you these questions and I think they were first graders or second graders mm-hmm. or something and they give you a they gave gave you a picture basically mm-hmm. of of something and then they give you a word that it rhymes with. Mm-hmm. And so she remember she she told me this story of this one kid mm-hmm. who got um a picture of a cup. Mm-hmm. And then the word was rug. Mm-hmm. And it was like a kind of cup mm-hmm. that you put warm things in, but yeah. you know, if you've learned, if you've grown up thinking, mm-hmm. well, all things that hold liquid are cups. Right. That little kid failed because he didn't know the word mug. Right. Because he'd never heard it in his life. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's all about the things that you're exposed to, and yeah. especially in those lower socioeconomic and places, guarantee- and that's where you like yeah. you've, we've talked about that. And I guarantee you that that kid was probably met with shame when he felt because that's Absolutely. what we're all met with instead of looking at it as an opportunity for growth, um, we look at it with shame. And and then that further, 
like goes into the issue because you know when people feel shame they then become anxious and we we see when people become anxious that they lose their concentration or their ability to process information. They start demonstrating aversion as well. And, uh, exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. The amount of people that I have heard say like, "Oh, I don't want to learn this. Like, I don't want to do this or that." And you know, we create this attitude where we we shame people because somebody needs to feel better than somebody else. Which check yourself because there's there's more that we we live in a world where there's enough resources to go around. Um, also there's absolutely no reason to have a bad attitude and put somebody down, um, just because that you need to feel better. You, your, what you do has not, whatever somebody else does has nothing to do with what you do. And that is, you know, it's one of the lessons that I took away from yoga. And that was one of the first times I really thought about that is one of my teachers was like, stay on your own mat, like focus on your own mat. Like you may feel differently today. One side might feel different than the other. You know, everybody's body is different. Everybody's life experience is different. Yeah. And so, you know, you may not be capable of, of one thing or another, but having this idea that, you know, you need to have these grades and you need to have this and that and whatever in a system that is not set up to give everybody the same fighting chance is wrong. It's just ethically wrong. Um, but also... Think about everything that you're missing out on. There are so many different ways to think and not everyone, most people I feel like struggle with taking tests and with academics and yeah. people that have money can get tutors and this and that and whatnot. But there are so many other different styles of learning and, and things like that. And there's so many different alternatives and there's uh, we have so much technology out there that there's no reason why we need to be excluding these people because we can only benefit from having more voices and more ideas I think I agree um kind of touching on that so before I got into biology and I love biology mm -hmm. don't get me wrong mm -hmm. since I was like a little girl mm -hmm. I had wanted to be a paleontologist I wanted to study dinosaurs that's mm -hmm. all I wanted to do I sucked at math yeah. in high school yeah calculus especially yeah and I got the when I was applying for Montana State University yeah. the first time when I was, like, straight out of high school. Yeah. I looked at the the big booklet they give you, the course booklet. Yeah. And f kind of followed around saying mm -hmm. what I needed. Mm-hmm. Like, a ton of it was calculus. Mm hmm And everyone had always, like, told me, well, you're no good at it, so why? So, I, and I, I love where I am now. No regrets whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there is another world, another universe where I'm out there and I didn't listen to those people or those people didn't yeah. tell me, no, I'm out there being a paleontologist. Yeah. I'm out there like studying T-Rex. And here's the thing is everybody's gonna, like people are gonna tell you no for whatever reason. That's just like the field of science. We've both been told no. I, you know, and that's wrong. You can do it. You should do it. If you feel the passion, you're willing to put the work in, you can do it. And unfortunately, you know, we live in a system where it's not as easy for one person to the next, but you can do it. And that's so messed up because why, like, why do you not want more people in your field? Why do you not want more people that share the same passion that you do? It doesn't make you any less special. Yeah. You know, we, we could learn so much more and we're, you know, everybody's missing out. We, we don't need more accountants in the world. Not to say we don't like accountants. If you're an accountant, awesome. Great. Like 
continue to do your thing, but like we're we're not going to benefit from having more people in jobs that they are not passionate about or by intimidating people. My biggest pet peeve about the whole university system when I was going through it was weed out classes. Mm-hmm. Classes that were designed to weed people out. Mm-hmm. People who were not right as adept. Mm-hmm. People who were not as 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 quick on the uptake. Right. Then there was especially in engineering classes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the engineering program, mm-hmm. like, your entire sophomore year yeah. was weed-out classes. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. That Absolutely. sucks so much. And that's part of why mm-hmm. engineering is 90% men. 90, and, like, something ridiculous, like, 70 or, or something white men, specifically. Right. Yeah. Because they all come from socioeconomic backgrounds, backgrounds that also, accommodate when, that. when you're set up to... to do well in life you're definitely going to do better and I've definitely I've definitely had had men in this field or white men in this field be like oh like I've worked so hard I've done this I'm super awesome whatever and like not to say that you're not awesome but like think about how has the world challenged you like to like has the world ever told you you couldn't Probably not. Um, yeah. Unless you're poor or queer or something like that, then they, then absolutely I'm sure that they told you no. Um, but take take a second to think about that. And, uh, you know, I've been shocked recently. I've talked with Ellie about this. I was so fortunate to go to Eckerd College where um, I was surrounded by, like, it was like a liberal arts education, so I was surrounded by people that were, they were privileged, but they were very aware of their privilege. And so, honestly, I've had a lot of shock getting into this field because, you know, the men that I went to college with were very supportive and very much aware of women's issues and, and made a point to, um, include all people, not just women, but, you know, people of color, people of different socioeconomic backgrounds, like they made a point. And, um, that is not something that I've seen in the real world. And it's really disappointing, honestly. Um, it really is because, you know, the men that I went to college with were very respectful and very inclusive, and I was so privileged to have that experience, and I hope that, I mean, I don't hope, I absolutely know that the, that the men that I went to college with will um, continue to set that standard for other men um, and, yeah. and lead the way. I know that for sure. Um, it, Eckerd was a very small community, so it's not like one of those schools but it's like 40,000 people. I think we had like 1,700 Really? Kids. That's really, yeah, really small. Yeah, it's really small. Um, but anyways, yes. Yeah, so, so be inclusive and think about how um, how you got into this field and how you can make it easier for somebody else. Don't be that person that's like, oh, I struggled. You're going to have to struggle too. Mm-hmm. Pull those people up with you when you're going, you know? Yeah. And I, I've i had that, too. And I've, I've noticed that it's with the people that have struggled or with the people that have been marginalized. They're like, hey, use me as a reference. You you know, they give me different advice on different things. And um, honestly, even to be a scientist, I, I get that, you know, they want us to take a lot of tests and stuff academically. But never once in any of my positions as a researcher, have I ever utilized skills needed to take a test? The skills that I needed were critical thinking, um, taking data, obviously like, you know, math is important because you have to run statistics, but Mm -hmm. that is like, you can, you you can take your time to do that and you can sit there with a book and you, you absolutely 110% need to double, triple, quadruple, check yourself. Yeah. That's something you definitely can learn. So yeah. But anyways, um, and that is one of our goals, ultimately, is to be inclusive. I yes. Mean, 
And, and this is this is our effort with the with the little resources and the little time that we do have to make the environmental studies feel a little bit more inclusive and make it accessible. There's a reason we're doing a podcast because that's free to people that have the internet. I don't know how with with what we have to to get it to people that don't have the internet, but yeah. Anyways, so I feel like yeah. What else? What were our other goals? We have lots. <laughs> We kind of talked about starting a conversation. Yeah. The the difficult um, the difficult conversation specifically, um, and and in doing so, we have reached out to people of different different backgrounds, different different skill sets, I guess. Yes, and we want to get as many perspectives as possible. We want to talk to literally every angle. There's so many people involved. Every angle, like yeah. so, if you want to talk to us, let us know. We, we want to hear from you and we're not going to come in and we're not going to judge and we're not going to say, hey, like, we love the whales, so, like, get frogged. Like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's one of the t-shirts. That's one of the, yes, true. Um, but, else? yeah, so basically our goals are to get people a little bit more involved in the political process. We want to make it less intimidating, and I think that the fact that neither of us are scientists but we have... Um, degrees and backgrounds in in this field it makes it a we want to bridge the gap between um policymakers and scientists as and and just people who are interested and people who are passionate and that's that's part of the reason why we do the porpoiseode too is because you know that's a little bit more lighthearted, and so um we're hoping that we can relate to people through humor because some people like sensitivity and seriousness and some people like humor and so we want to um, keep it fresh. We want to keep it fresh. And also, he- here we are trying different things. And so, you know, a lot of people are going to say, you can't do this, you can't do that. If we want to be silly but also be serious at the same time and address things differently, that's just what we're going to do. We're rolling with it. We're just, we're trying this. We don't know, you know, what we're necessarily doing, but we're we're going for it. Um, um. What about, and we also talked about getting to the root of social yes, issues. Yes, and we want to get to the root of the social issues, um, because ultimately that's what's leading to our demise, it is, in my opinion, a lack of critical thinking, mm-hmm. which I do not put that blame or that burden on people who don't critically think. I mean, what you need no, to, to learn to do it on yourself. It's the fact that we, we are in a system where we are honestly herded like sheep. And we're like, this is how you take the test. This is how you succeed in life. Here's I the, mean, here's the PDF, like go and fucking check yeah. everything off the, the list. The Betsy DeVos's of the world doesn't want us to go through like spark notes and exactly check things and off the list nothing. and do, do as I say to do. Don't like go out and, and yeah. consider the possibilities. Yeah. You know? Um, so we want to start a conversation where we, we get people to think critically and we get you to think about your belief systems and we evaluate different perspectives and, and different mistakes. And, you know, we need to come at things without judgment, without shame, yeah. come at it with it, compassion and love, because here's the thing, when you have judgment and shame, then that fear is associated with it. And when we make fear-based decisions, um, that's where we go wrong. Yeah. And we need to just try things and be okay with trying things and be okay with failing. And I, honestly, I think that that is one of the biggest issues in our culture that is contributing to this is our lack of a, a willingness to be accountable for our failures. It, it And it doesn't even have to be that big of a deal if you made a mistake. And even if it was a huge mistake, even if you were the person that was like, 
I'm going to found hatcheries. You know what? You tried. Yeah. And it's okay that you failed. We learned that. And that's so important. I think so many people forget that, you know, while those really awesome, successful moments are important and amazing, the moments where we failed, our hardest trials in life are equally as important. They definitely define because us. Because you learn. Well, they don't have to define you, but well, you learn. Well, I think they define us in, like, the way that... Yeah, yeah, we do learn and we you do learn. develop. Yes, exactly. And and that's what you have to do is you have to learn and grow. And, you know, it's unrealistic to constantly succeed. And when we do that, you know, there's a shallowness, there's an emptiness within us as humans um, that we need to address, too. And I think a lot of the cultural issues that we want to address, too, would help people in their personal lives as well. And, yeah. you know... Um, ultimately what we want to do is, is promote health of culture and the ecosystem in the sense of, you know, are you, are you making decisions based on having thought something through? Have you researched it? We want to talk about where to get, how and where to find accurate information. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things that we need to do. We, uh, we've, you know, lost this ability to connect with our environment, with each other. And I think that most of our solutions, if you reconnect with your community and you go outside and you reconnect with the environment, um, you will, you will find success. You will find happiness and, and I fullness. Well, and I feel like a lot of the problems too also stem from this is how we've always done things. Exactly. Which. I mean, but and, we and, haven't. And, That's yeah, yeah. literally, if we like, there there's so many there's yeah. so many different ways of doing things yeah. potentially or or things that we've already done or otherwise. It's and and we get bogged down mm-hmm. in well, this is where I'm comfortable. This mm-hmm. is what we're doing. This is how we've always done it, mm-hmm. and I'm scared. And and that goes back to that fear based decision making, of course. But I mean. What's the worst that's going to happen? And also, if we're these, you know, if we want to have this this attitude of patriotism and, oh, we're these big, tough Americans that are, we're the best country in the world, show some fucking courage, like, and do something that scares you and change. Because we set the example for a lot of countries. And I was just having this discussion with you the other day. <laughs> I was like, who was I having? with you um ellie has traveled to several european countries and i prefer to travel um to well i haven't been to europe it's not that i wouldn't go but i like to go where the animals are which is like africa asia south central america and you know what i found when traveling to tanzania and indonesia is is i had people come up to me and they would want to take pictures with me and all this other stuff just because I'm I'm American and they know that because I'm white and I'm as white as they come blonde hair blue eyed like mm-hmm. pale whereas you go to <laughs> you go to Europe and yeah and I just I could fit right in I would be fine they'd be like are you from here are you Swedish hello um, anyways but um, you know I noticed when I went over there there's so many different influences that people don't realize through assimilation of you know culture with media and music, TV, all these different things, it heavily influences their culture and other countries are watching us. Yeah. Um, and you know, I found as a traveler that has put a lot of, I felt a lot of pressure and I've also felt a lot of guilt because we've instilled things that are, um, that are not okay. And you know, um, in our culture that other people look up to and they think it's cool because they're like, Oh, America's the greatest country in the world, you know? 
go from rags to riches, well, I mean, you it's know, like, sidewalks paved with gold. It's like you and Bianca talked about. I mean, China's the best example of that. Mm-hmm. They're 50 years behind us. They are in this, like... And it's it's almost worse because there's so many more of them mm-hmm. than there were of Americans in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. But it's just this mass consumerism, just constantly going through stuff, trends, all this stuff. They're... they're Orca aquariums, their their ocean oceanariums mm-hmm. are popping up everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's that's because they took our model, and they're trying and to apply exactly. it to themselves. Other countries look up to us, and and that's a heavy weight to bear. And I'm not saying that we're like the leaders of the world or that we're great or anything like that. But like, here's the thing: is like, if you are going to be a leader, you need to be great, and that doesn't mean necessarily having the most power, but that means leading people with the most compassion and finding a way to make sure that, you know, everyone is taken care of and benefits because it's it's absolute trash that there are more than enough resources for every single person on this planet. And we'll pull stats for that later, do it on our little episode where we talk about why we need the environment. But there's absolutely enough resources for people here, for everyone around the world to have food and shelter and all of these other yeah. things. And, and we don't do that because some people want to hoard it all and let others suffer, and that's wrong. Um... Because, yeah. I mean, you know, suffering is a part of the human experience, and it's a part of the animal experience as well. Yeah. We can see with the orcas. Um, but you, when we can relieve some of that suffering, when we can help one another, why are we not doing that? When we can help another species, why are we not doing that? And it's based in in fear and selfishness. And I think that, you, you know, if you're somebody that feels that way or you disagree with what we're saying, you know, I ask you maybe not to respond to this right away um to take some time and introspect and let this sink in and just just think about it and you know if you don't agree with us let's sit down and have a conversation as to why ellie and i are not gonna we're not gonna argue we genuinely want to understand why people think the way that they do um and we'll sit down and we'll talk to anybody from any belief system from you know if even if you 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 feel like we should shoot all the workers in the head let's let's talk about it why do you feel that way you know let's let's have a conversation and like we want to talk to people and we want to get also we want to get other people to have a conversation Mm -hmm. and why are we so scared to think differently or think in a way that we haven't before there's there's nothing wrong with that like you know we can only benefit and I think that's another one of the things is you know growing up in the midwest and in um, a very religious part of the country too um, I was always told that different was wrong. Yeah. Always. Um, and, you know, people was like, oh, that's different, or that's alternative, with, like, some type of tone. Um, we're, we all have individual personalities for a reason. If there is something that's not working for you in your culture or your family or your community, like, that's okay. And, like, if you are different, go fly your freak flag, because we need more yeah, we different do. people. We do. Like, we do, yes. <laughs> but... I mean, honestly, I, like, you know, when people ask me where I'm from, I say Florida, um, because I found a community there of other weirdos. I mean, I, now I'm hearing myself say this. And it, <laughs> anyways, um, but, you know, I, I never claim Ohio because, honestly, I feel betrayed by my community. Like, they, they shamed me for wanting to study environmental studies, for being a queer person, for 
you know, wanting to dress colorfully to like literally like I I like mm-hmm. to have have pink hair and like yes. that there's nothing wrong with that. That's it's a style choice. It it means nothing. It, it contributes nothing to who I am as a person, what I have to offer to anything. Well, and it's almost regressive too <clears throat> because you're not challenging yourself. I mean, today I read an article. Mm-hmm. Ohio has made it I, I don't know if they made it into law or if that it's passed the mm-hmm. the House or Senate, but they are allowing children in school to be wrong on science science homework or scientific mm-hmm. tests if their religion says that they gave the wrong they they can give the wrong answer. Yeah. Um this is also the same state that is um and I'm just gonna give a little warning here that this is like sensitive, but that let a twelve year old girl that got raped have a baby. Like this is they forced her to carry it to term. This is that same state. This is that same part of the country. And, you know, I've I've lived in six states now, and honestly, I've had the biggest culture shock coming out west. Um, I, I always go into these situations, I try to listen, because you can't, no one's going to hear you unless you listen to them. But also, I want to listen to people, like, genuinely. I, I think everyone has something to offer, and if we just constantly, you know, combat, then we're not going to get anywhere. But, you know, you guys, I think on the West Coast here, people are more accepting and and I don't have to like I can have a conversation with people and take it further yeah because we've already established that like basic human rights and taking care of the environment yeah. is like a priority in the midwest like no it's a it's a whole different ball game and it's like you know we are part of the same country but the culture throughout our country is so different there are a lot of microcosms in the united states absolutely and it's huge if we think about it it's like it's a huge like geographically it's it's huge it's actually part of why it's so hard for americans to be bilingual is -hmm. because we're so surrounded like for miles and miles and miles Mm -hmm. with people who just speak english yeah like there's no different like oh well like spain's right here Mm -hmm. and then germany's right here and then france is right here and austria's right here and it's Mm -hmm. all in like the size of an area of like Mm -hmm. texas yeah and so like we we don't have those cultural challenges constantly yes agreed and you know one of the things that I do want to point out that's not necessarily 100% relevant, but I'm just going to go ahead and use this as a platform because I have the mic. Um, <laughs> but we're, like, majority of the people in the world speak two or more languages, and there are people in this country that have the idea that somebody who speaks another language is less intelligent. You are absolutely tripping if you think that because you can't understand two languages mm. and like there are people that can speak two three there are people that can speak like 10 languages a woman who immigrates here from honduras and can speak like like half english yeah as well as a spanish yeah. is doing 10 times better than you literally because she's still able literally. to somehow communicate with you and she's probably from the deepest uh-huh. parts of poverty. Oh, absolutely. Well, she, you know, and we don't want to stereotype and and whatnot, um, and perpetuate any. But like negative. Statistically, yes. these people yes. who are immigrating from Central America, yes, they come to are immigrating because they want to have a better life. They want to have a better and life. And here's the thing, also, is a lot of I've noticed, that, and this is anecdotal, um, but I've noticed that a lot of the people that want to um, say that foreigners are are not as smart or whatever are often people that have never traveled maybe outside of never traveled outside of the country their state maybe even their county and you know it is absolutely challenging to go to another culture and spend time 
Um, and so many people here, even when they travel throughout the United States, you know, I don't know that they try to immerse themselves necessarily in where they travel because they stick to their chain stores and their chain restaurants yeah. and Disneyland and all this crap and, you know, um, kind of have this false sense of whatever. And that goes back to that idea that I have of the manufactured lifestyle. And that's another one of the themes and kind of goals that we want to combat is or we want to combat this idea, but it's our goal. Yeah, words are hard. Um, but, you know, we we basically have a prescribed way of thinking in our culture. We have a prescribed lifestyle that we're told to live. We're told that we need to constantly be consuming to be happy, whether that be someone else's ideas or things that are physical. Um, and that is ultimately going to contribute to our demise because here's the thing, people have so many emotional attachments to physical objects and that's really unhealthy. Yeah. And again, you know, I think the root of our issues, if we, if we get re-ingrained in our culture, if you connect to your community, I guarantee you every single person on this planet, you have something in common with them. You just need to freaking try, you know, and this kind of goes back to the idea of traveling and, and why that's such a valuable experience. But, you know, some of my, my favorite, <laughs> some of my happiest times are, are being <laughs> in like a homestay sort of situation and, and sitting in a room and trying to figure out how to communicate with somebody who I don't share the same language with. And that's again, probably one of the reasons why I see peaches. Stop. You don't have to cry. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, but, um, why I see the I see the struggle of the of the foreign people because I have been the foreign person in different situations. Yes, not so at I... all even close to the extent of what these people are going through no. because they live here. Um, but it is absolutely five hundred percent a challenge to try to learn somebody's language. But you know, if you if I can go to another country and sit in a room with somebody that I don't speak the same language with, that we're not the same age, that we don't, you know. If you're going to, on paper, we have nothing in common and I'm able to connect to that person, you can absolutely connect to somebody in the United States, somebody that you feel that you're different from. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, we all want the same things. We want to be happy. We want to be fulfilled. You know, we want to be loved. We want to be loved and, you know, you want to be safe and appreciated. And, you know, there's no, there's no reason why we can't do those things. And I think at the end of the day, that is why, and I'm kind of trying to speak for you as well as myself here, but like, I think that is why we connect so much to the Southern residents is because like they embodied, like in our experiences, they've embodied those needs, those needs for community, those needs for validation and love and acceptance Mm -hmm. and, and, and And, and just support, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and there's this idea of you need to be so self-sufficient and pick yourself up by your bootstraps and whatnot. Yes. Like you do need to be able to figure out how to survive on your own and whatnot. But here's the thing is it like, if you have to, but you know, it takes a village. It does take a village and we should all work together because we have something to contribute and you need to, you know, we're distracted from our communities. This, this system that's set up that people have to work two three jobs we both work two jobs um to to live on orcas island um but that you know it distracts you from from making a community and i i've noticed that more living on orcas island because this is such a small community yeah and fortunately in my job i get the chance to talk to the same locals that come in um every week every day whatever and and that's that's i've 
relearn that that how valuable a community is yeah. living here on Orcas Island. Um, so yeah, but yeah, you know that's how the whales are, and yeah, we I think we deeply resonate with them because of that. And and you know, and we kind of touch on it because we we recorded our port <coughs> episode before we recorded our actual episode. Um, but we talk a little bit about how humpback whales can can show empathy for other species seals humans other dolphins Mm -hmm. but we we find it so difficult to show empathy for even members of our own ethnicity let alone for other ethnicities or other religions you know we take we take our information that's in our box and then we take somebody else's information and we try and fit it in our box and it just never works and you just have to look look at somebody and and say are they hurting me are they happy? Are they yeah. living their best life? Yeah. You know, we we just have to look at each other with unconditional love. Absolutely. Like, And that means don't... And, you know, people will try to combat that and be like, no, we need to do things from a scientific, economic, whatever standpoint. No. Like, yes and no. Like, y- there's a balance. Right. Absolutely. But there, we we need to try new things in, and there's nothing like if somebody's gonna tell you no to showing somebody empathy, like, and and tell you that that's a shameful or bad thing. Um, let's reassess why, why do we think that? Like, let's get to those deep rooted cultural issues of what. Uh, 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 uh. Sorry, Peach was trying to climb on. Well, the that computer. was always part of my struggle too, is getting into science. Was that they expected me to be objective. They expected yeah. me to never be able to apply myself emotionally. They, they wanted me to be as objective as possible. And it's so difficult. Um, it definitely is. And, and it is important to be objective. However, I think that we have com- completely throwing the idea of emotion and spirituality off the table in our... Dis- well, it's, it's interesting because we say that we do this, yet we absolutely are a Christian nation. Um, like, a lot of our, our laws are rooted in Christianity. <laughs> she's, chasing. she's chasing her tail. Um, better get it before it gets away. Um, but, you know, while we're not officially a Christian nation, we absolutely are. You know, that, that little girl in Ohio that has to have a kid has to have that kid because of, of religious reasonings. Um, but for some reason, other spiritual things we can't address, unless it's Christian, I guess. But, you know, we've thrown this idea of, like, in science and in policy of having spirit and religion and emotions be on the table. And those are absolutely a part of our lives. And I think we can look at that from the orca's perspective, too, is, like, they are highly emotional creatures and that aids in their survival and that aids in their functioning and you know telling emotional creatures like humans not to be emotional or not to look at things spiritually is is only gonna further close doors yeah (sighs) any other any other goals we need to discuss i don't think so how do you feel Feel for a seal. Feel for a seal. For a seal, I can feel. I feel like Peach is being annoying, but that's okay. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel yeah. good. Yeah. I've like we've been wanting to say these things, and I think you know the more that we've we've done these episodes, and the more people we've talked to, we've been better able to articulate that. Um, and so that's one of the benefits we talked about. Um, how like you know what we want to do going forward and we're just we just want to talk to as many people as possible and yeah. you know we're we're really grateful for 
um, all of the people that have responded so positively yeah. to us and that have been willing to talk to us because honestly, like I said, I expected to be met with resistance. Um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, we, we've been very, we have episodes scheduled like a month out, like, yeah. because we, we've had such a positive response and it's, it's been really good. Um, but we talked about doing, um, like, you know, kind of organizing this a little bit better and doing like a biological section and like thought processes and policy and whatnot. And then decided against that, that we're just going to take the interviews as they come because, that's something new and keeps it, fresh. it keeps it fresh but also you know um we interviewed Gay Bradshaw and then we interviewed Francis Robertson and uh, that going in that order instead of just focusing on the one thing we were able to bring in some interconnectedness in our own thought processes and conversations that we've had just with one another um so I think that we can benefit from um diversity diversity which that's the that's like another theme. We need diversity. We need we like let's yes. We need different perspectives of people from all ages, all backgrounds, like whatever. We don't care if we want to talk to you. We want to hear what you have to say. Even if you want to just talk to us for ten minutes about why you love whales, we want to hear it. Or why you hate whales, because I guess, yeah. And that is one of the ideas that we're batting around is like having a booth somewhere and like yeah. let's let's talk to like the locals of East Town and yeah. let's talk to Yes. But so we there's a lot of things we we need to have a cultural healing. Yeah. We do. I and agree. and I think that if we're able to get to the root of our issues, we can save these species and we can save one another too because there's no reason that we have to live the way that we do. Yeah. And I think that we can look to the whales and f- for guidance. Yeah. You know, and that may sound crazy to some people and they may push that off the table. But why? Yeah. If this thought angers you, why? I, I, I urge you to ask yourself that. Yeah. And that, that is our paramount goal, is ultimately to save these whales. Yeah. We'd and like to get the dams down, because ultimately that's what it's going to take. We want to save the salmon, too. And how, how, Y'all are just neglecting the salmon. How, how good would that feel if, like, we could say, like, for certain, like, the southern residents were coming back. Like, they're, they're rebounding. Like, yeah. how, like, spiritually... It just it excites yeah. me. The, the idea like elates me. Yeah, and and we have to have hope, and we have to keep trying, and and there are so many people that feel the same way we, that we do, and we're so fortunate um, to have a community that that feels the same way. Yeah. But we need to get more people on board. We need to make we need to vocalize more. Um, so yeah, I think we definitely addressed our goals. Um, and then we wanted to do a recap on kind of what's going on with the Southern residents and, and the main things that they're facing. Um, yeah. Just because I don't I don't know that the first episode necessarily did a good job of that, and that has absolutely nothing to do with who I interviewed and everything to do with the questions that I asked and my lack of experience and my filler words. Um, mm. And the fact that I was on a dock and it was moving and my camera stopped and I was having so many issues. It was a mess. And guess what, guys? Life is a mess sometimes, and that's literally fine. Like, that's it's literally part fine. of it. And, you know, um, we're here to show you that you have to start somewhere. That's why I posted that episode. I absolutely, like... I've, I've said to Ellie, that's the one that's been listened to the most. I'm like, I hate that because 
because it's the worst. Like, and, and absolutely nothing to do with Sarah, everything to do with me. Um, she was amazing. But, like, you know, I feel like the episodes have slowly gotten better. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm talking about having a multitude of perspectives um, helping me to improve, having Ellie here, I'm sure that you guys have noticed that these these episodes have improved significantly just by having her here, you know? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> Thanks for being here. I'm going to die without you. Oh my goodness. I can't. Um, so yeah, so Seven so Residents. Uh, J-Pod was off of Port Townsend today. They've been in, they have been inland mm-hmm. a lot. And this is like a big November. This is like what it's like in the summer, what mm-hmm. it used to be like. Why are you licking my sock? It just tastes so good. This is why she eats shoes. He's just licking the sock, not me, just for reference. I, they can't see. We're in front of Michael. No, you're absolutely <laughs> licking this sock. He frogs. Get frog. Get frog. Um, yeah, so what we call the summer summer core habitat is like the the southern end of Strait of Georgia, Strait of Juan de Fuca, northern Puget Sound, like central Salish Sea, basically, San Juan Islands. That is where that is where the whales primary primarily traditionally lived May through September. And this year was really a big struggle um, for a lot of us. Because we didn't see the whales from the beginning of May to the beginning of July. And that's the longest period of time that we have gone without seeing them in their summer core habitat. And the big reason for that is because of how over... What's the overword? Uh, urbanized and, and, and structured the Fraser River has become. There's uh, culverts everywhere. There's toxicants flowing into that river like mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe. There's there's noise pollution from the cargo mm-hmm. cargo boats, the tankers. Yes. Um, the Trans Mountain Pipeline, if that gets built, you know that's gonna that's gonna increase shipping traffic by tenfold. That's gonna even make right. it worse and risk oil spills. Um, but but it's just made it so hard for the Chinook salmon to come from that river, and that is the primary river that the Chinook salmon come from traditionally mm-hmm. to supplement the the southern residents. And uh, there are other important rivers in the summer Like core. the lower snake? Well, they, that's the yeah. winter. That's their winter yeah. habitat. But in the summer, in their summer core um, habitat, I mean, we've got the Nooksack, we've got the Elwha, we've got... Um, come here. Wow, one more. I don't remember off the top of my head. You're done. Um, but the the major one is the Fraser River, and where it's it's really unfortunate for us because we are American, and the Fraser River is a Canadian river, and there's not a whole lot we can do about that other than just basic advocacy work. Um, we can't. We don't have any politicians that we can really apply to and and say, hey. I mean, we need to start the conversation though. Yeah. I mean, we have to start here first because let's you know we can't go to another country and ask them to do something we're not doing. Like that's just no. That's but when wrong. it affects us, like yeah. and, and that's the that's the thing that frustrates me the most is that it, the Trans Mountain Pipeline absolutely is going to affect us, and and there's no way that you know Jay Inslee can go in and say to Justin Trudeau, I'm suing your government because you're negatively affecting my economy the, the economy of several of my counties mm-hmm. you know there's no there's no system to set to like set that up and that frustrates me personally um i well, no way to hold him accountable in any yeah way. that's because there's no universal government and so 
I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to you have to do your best right. and, and know that you did your best. Um, every it's it's progress. Yeah. And it's it's baby steps, honestly, and like that sounds annoying, um, oh, but it is. Sure. We're not going to save the residents overnight, and no, <laughs> but no. that's another thing we want to reiterate. If you don't get discouraged because things aren't happening right yeah. away keep trying but anyways but yes so jpod was was in has been inland for god i want to say a month now they i think they skid skedaddled for a little bit but but yeah. it's 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 like what it should have been in summer and that's because they're you know chasing down the chum runs uh further south in puget sound right um which they normally do mm-hmm. in september and october um but it's it's really late for them to be here yeah so but yeah so so the residents are in danger. Yes, we didn't establish that. So basically, I didn't uh, a brief that at the beginning. yes, but a, a like a brief history. Um, the, these wells have lived here for hundreds, and thousands yeah. of years, hundreds and thousands, not hundreds of thousands. Seven hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. Years. Okay. Yeah. Math. Um, so, <laughs> so they've been here a minute, and there have been a variety of things that have contributed to the decline of their population. Um, Almost all of which are human induced. I'm actually all, all, of, all of which are human induced. Oh, okay. So um, primarily, <clears throat> it's been um, <coughs> lack of prey for the southern residents, um, contaminants in the water, noise pollution. Which I think they they've done a remarkable job on getting that down, at least within the whale watching industry. We do. St- we always need to be improving. We always need to be doing better. But that's they're, that's a, that's been a success so they're, far. They're hybridizing. They're starting the process of hybridizing our ferries, which the ferries account for sixty percent of the noise pollution yes. in the Salish Sea. Gang. So, so so we're working on it, and that's good. Yay, Washington! Proud of you. Um, and then uh, one of the other major contributors was the was the whales that were taken from, from being held captive. Yeah. Also, um, you know, one of the other things that's, that's interesting to discuss and we should have a whole another episode on that is, um, the, how our attitudes towards orcas has changed because these guys were previously viewed as malicious killers. And then, um, it's, it's also interesting to talk about the field of science because I'm, you know, I'm currently reading endangered orca and in, um, in this book, we were talking about, uh, or I'm reading a chapter, or bleh, did read a chapter about the capture era, and there was a scientist by the name of Dr. Murray Newman in 1964 that, as a scientist, um, he went and shot a whale um, because he wanted to bring it in to make a statue out of it, and uh, the essentially the whale didn't die, um, and so they pretty much tied it up and like on a leash and drug it alongside this boat, essentially. Um, and they took it to, I believe it was the Vancouver Aquarium. Let me, I'm going to, yeah, Vancouver Aquarium. Um, and that was the first captive orca. And that's where they learned that people, or that, that orcas are not killers. He got in the water with it. He did all these things. Um, and people's attitude changed. No, it's not Namu. It's No? Uh, no. I thought Namu was the first. Uh, no, this one was Moby Doll. Um, oh. And also, I wanna I wanna point out that they that they said because of its small size, it was a female, not a male. But this just goes to show how little scientists know and, and like or knew that right. 1964 is not that long ago. Like, no. if you put it into perspective, that we were like shooting shooting ago, yeah. scientists were shooting <laughs> whales, but other people were shooting whales. Um. And, you know, whaling is a whole, it was a whole industry and it still is in certain parts of the world, but, 
um, that was something that contributed to the decline a lot. Was that was the captive yeah. trying to take captive whales? We're looking at you, Japan. Anyways, um, yeah. So those are are the the four main things that are contributing to the yeah. decline. Um, we have in the United States gotten it under wraps as far as uh, the captivity and shooting whales. That's absolutely illegal. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, and we and we've worked on the sound and you know, Frances Robertson still is she was telling us that she is still putting in work to make the an already good program continue to improve and I wish that we had that interview. Hopefully we can re-record it. Um, but we just have to continue to make progress, but honestly the biggest thing at the end of the day is the prey. Is, is the prey. Um, and we've, we've talked a bit about the Biggs Killer Whales here. They are doing really, really well. We had so many, we Thriving. saw so many babies this summer. And they, they're not, like, at peak mm-hmm. population levels by any means. Um, I, be, I do believe they are considered threatened under the Endangered Species yeah. Act. However... They are thriving, and that is because they have seals, they have sea lions, they have porpoises, all of which are also thriving. Yeah. Um, The salmon aren't thriving, so our southern residents are thriving, are not thriving. So we need to get these whales and damn salmon um, under control. But also, um, I would like to to talk about contaminants, because um, I don't know that everybody knows about that if you don't live by the ocean you probably don't know but um you know every single we're all connected more so than you think and hydrologically speaking yeah um and even if you live in the midwest even if you live in ohio the stuff that goes down your drain is absolutely going to affect the ocean uh runoff from farms affect the ocean um no matter where you are what you do impacts the ocean i'm just going to say it 500 times because we just need to get it through our heads anyways but there are a lot of contaminants um that are it's like pollutants and also microplastics that's huge um try to reduce your plastic intake if you can um you know we've always had the the three r's reduce reuse recycle just don't use it in the first place that's the fourth that's fourth r is refuse refuse yeah please um but you know, there's a lot of different alternatives now out there for plastic-free options um, and also things that are safe to go down the drain, like the cleaners that you use, toothpaste, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's options. And so um, that's one of the things that's been impacting them um, because, you know, the pollutants get into their into their system. But also we've seen in a variety of cetacean species that when blubber samples are taken or skin samples are taken, that there are microplastics within those um, skin cells. And guess what? You also probably have microplastic in you, you as well. You absolutely have microplastic. Especially microplastics. if you eat fish, because fish have microplastic in them, because they eat it, because you throw it in the ocean. <laughs> Listen, we're done with it. <laughs> I'm sick of the plastic. You know what? I know what photo we're going to share when we post this tomorrow. What are we going to God, I'm going to have to find it. Hopefully it's on my computer. Um... But there was the first beach that I ever went to that was absolutely covered in trash, like trash coming up to the shore. I was in Indonesia, and that was heart-wrenching. Like, literally, it was just just garbage everywhere. And, you know, all I've, I've been so fortunate and so privileged to gotten, you know, so many scholarships and grants that allowed me to travel so many places, but I saw that in Honduras as well. I There's never been a place... There, I've never been to a beach and not seen trash um, but this this beach was literally, it was made of litter. Yeah. So I'll post that 
Um, you should also post a picture of you dressing up as ha- at Halloween as marine debris. <laughs> because it's scary. Okay? <laughs> it is scary. What's scarier than marine debris, okay? <laughs> this girl went all out. We we picked up all kinds of trash. We did. Pinned it to her. She was dressed up as a turtle because, obviously, turtles are heavily impacted as well by right. plastic. Yeah. Um, if you all, I saw that video of the turtle with the straw shoved up its nose and I couldn't make it through it. I was in tears. Yeah. I I mean, yeah. And, and I would also like to articulate that that's like, you know, that's empathy right there and there's nothing wrong with that. We like, that goes back to our goals. People like to shame others for having emotions and that's wrong. Um, Ellie's ability to empathize with the sea turtle is what motivates her to not use plastic. It's one of the many motive many of the things that motivate her. Um, but you know, it makes her a good person. And like, Mm -hmm. and so have empathy, have emotions because guess what? Like it's going to lead to a better world. Um, but yeah, so those are the things affecting the Southern residents. They are dying. And a lot of the contaminants too, they don't directly affect them. Like they, Mm -hmm. like a lot of the contaminants and we tell this when we're naturalizing on our boats, um, a lot of those contaminants are fat-soluble, and they get into the blubber. Um, and that's why we don't really see the southern residents being affected by these contaminants right away. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I, we either see them affecting the southern residents when they have their first baby, and their breast milk is super-duper fatty. So when they have that no. first baby, that first baby is almost Thank you. completely certain to die because all those pollutants are getting flushed out of the, the breast milk with that first baby and that baby's that baby ultimately dies of poison um and then when they start starving like we saw with princess angeline like we saw with nissa and scoter and scarlet and 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 so many others um when they start when they starve they start metabolizing their blubber and they are slowly poisoned to death there is this um syndrome we call peanut head syndrome and that's basically when these animals have metabolized their blubber so far down that you can see the outline of their skull um and they're so far gone at that point that they very rarely come back from that i mean i i had hope for few months because we saw Princess Angeline come back after the winter months this last year and she looked better yeah I thought she was gonna make it through and then and then she disappeared after May we never saw her again um and it it absolutely I mean you, you don't see it right away you don't you don't it's not something that's really tangible to us, but it absolutely is affecting them, and we absolutely have to get our pollutants under wraps. Yes, and I also do want to note um, that this is not something that's unique to the whales. Um, there are, I cannot remember the, the name of the area of the world, but there's an area of the world where there's a, a community of people that have the same issues, and literally it's the same biological response, um, at least they've seen in the communities where people are burning trash in order to cook food because... The trash is free and the wood is not. Um, they have lower rates of fertility, shortened lifespans from what we can see based on the data that's available. Um, so this is this is not unique to the killer whales. There are people around the world that experience this as well. Um, and I guarantee you there are other species out there too. I guarantee you this this affects the little species that people don't want to study because they don't they don't care. There's not funding or whatever. Um, but yeah, um, plastic is, is a huge problem and it's, it's almost impossible to avoid. There are a few people that are able to live a plastic-free life and that's absolutely a lifestyle that you have to commit to. So, 
you know, um, start somewhere. And I would imagine you have to have a certain level of privilege in the system that we have absolutely to, do. to do that. You absolutely do. Um, and so for those of you who, who don't have that privilege, um, to, to do that, don't feel bad. Do your you best. Know, do your best. And, and we're proud of you for doing that. Um, and do what you can. Don't feel pressure because again, I think we have this pressure in our society if we have to be the best and we have to be whatever and, um, you know, do what you can with what you have. Yeah. Um, and just, we, yeah. we're, Every, even if it's just the littlest bit of progress, like it's still something and, and see it as that and be thankful that you did that, you know? I mean, if it's like planting a rain garden, I mean, that, that on its own prevents pollutants from going out into the ocean. So, and we can talk about that too. We can, we can do an episode of different way, different little things that we can do. There's, there's so many different ways that we can take this and you know this is ultimately about the residents this this is the population that we're trying to save but we're we're trying to save the humans too from ultimately destroying ourselves and leading a life that is um unempathetic and unfulfilled yeah and so yeah um if you have questions please ask us we're willing to talk to anyone about anything at all Mm -hmm. um we do have the discussion forum, which no one has used yet. <laughs> I have posted a couple questions on there, but um, no responses. So please come, please come answer my questions. Talk to me. Also, when you're on there, be nice to one another. We are having a conversation. We're um, going to be empathetic human beings. We're going to be empathetic. And instead of getting defensive, if I see anything... Oh, <laughs> if any of you guys are mean on there, oh, don't you dare. I, I will... Peaches and I will be coming... For you, <laughs> and you will go to timeout. You don't, or you don't, you don't want peace to come Listen, after you. Listen, you don't want peace to come after you. Um, but don't. Let's let's have a conversation that is compassionate. If I see anyone being rude on there, I'm gonna be really disappointed because <laughs> that's all I can do, I guess. But no, we're not tolerating that. So have a discussion. Um, be open minded. Try to understand people. Um, don't come at it with your own your own agenda, your own views right away. Let's try to approach this differently and listen to one another. Um, and hopefully we can get somewhere. Uh, but yeah, we're on we're on the social medias. Um, I did check. We do have two Twitter followers. So. <laughs> um, that's great. Just, okay, but who's the other? Who's but, the other one? Who's the other one besides you? Let Andrew? me find it. Um, but like honestly, do people use Twitter? Because like I feel like that's. I mean, Donald, people. Donald Trump does. Old people, and that doesn't include Andrew. And that do- and wait. That doesn't include Andrew, and then, and then you. I don't use Twitter. But you're old. You're too old for. You're Stop like. Stop it. You're, anyways. What so, oh yes, yeah, so we, we were talking we about have, yesterday, and you called me old again. Stephanie Holbert. Thanks, Stephanie Holbert, for following. Oh, she up. she liked one of our the posts I put on. Thanks. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Tell your yeah. friends. She's a nice lady. She's a nice lady. Yes. Also, yeah. Okay. Cool. So I think that's all we have that is today. All we have. we any, appreciate you. We appreciate you. We love you. Have compassion. Thank you for listening. How do you feel for seal? Okay. Yeah, tell us how you feel for seal. Tell us how you feel for seal. Um, <laughs> and have a good day. Have a good night. Okay, we love you. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>